0: Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host Taylor talking to Krishna today and I had my very first article ever that I wrote uh, all alone, all by my lonesome, come out this week. It was the 2023 Top 75 Players Midseason Edition. Basically, the idea was you know, we all love ranking the top 75, top 50, top 200, whatever it is, players. But those only happen in the offseason. And so much has changed since those lists have come out. So I spent a couple weeks, did some research, put together a list and released it this week. So if you want to read it, check it out. It, uh, I'm going to put the link in the description and you can find it on the B-Ball Index website. Uh, Krishna, how are you doing today? You ready to talk to some top 75 players? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm ready
1: to pick apart your list.
0: Hey, <laughs> you and everybody else on Twitter. So I feel like uh, this would be a good time to share. So I have assisted in writing like one or two articles, but this is the first one I've ever written by myself. Basically, there's a little blurb for all 75 players. And then there's like a, a couple stats for every player as well. And we posted to Twitter and I, you know, it's it's. Assume nowadays that if you put something online, you're going to have some people uh, not like it, and they're going to comment. And, Yeah, you know, that's the way it is. And I have I ever told you my story, Christian, about the first time I ever got hate mail working in radio? No, no, I gotta hear. So, so <laughs> this this was this was I must have been 22, something like that, and I worked at a political morning show uh, here in San Diego, and it was my first job in radio. And I didn't really want to do politics, but when they're offering the job, you take it. And I was the call screener, like assistant producer. So I wasn't like running the board, but I was just doing other things. And I would come on every once in a while and I would talk about politics. And the listeners did not like me. I They, they really did not like me. They would call in, they would complain, things like that. And one day I had a letter on my little workstation And somebody took the time to not email, not tweet, but write a letter, find out what our, you know, our address is. This was like in La Jolla, which if you don't live in San Diego, that's not helpful. But uh, they found the address. They mailed me a letter talking about why I was ruining the country. And it was amazing. I remember opening it and it was so exciting that somebody took the time to do that. It was almost like, you know, when you get like a thank you card for a gift and you're like, oh, well, that was really nice for them to take the time. That was how I felt. So one, when I see all these tweets not liking my list, I'm... Well, one, flattered that someone took the time to read something I worked really hard on, which is great. But uh, I'll never forget the time I got a physical letter. I have not gotten a physical letter for this article, sadly, but uh, the best was at the end of the letter, the person was like, hey, I want to take you out to breakfast and talk to you because I think this is like basically really important. So I I did. I went to breakfast with this listener. And uh, I ordered the most expensive thing on the menu because they were paying. I got the uh, fresh squeezed orange juice. It was like $8 a glass. It was very good. Um, Yeah, and and the guy was – he would seem like a nice enough guy. We Obviously, we didn't agree on things, and we talked about it, but he was a nice person, Um, which I think is my favorite part of the story. Like, you didn't just yell at (laughs) me. He's a nice Uh, hater. Yeah, yeah, he was a nice hater. It was, uh, it was a real classy move to take me out. So, if anyone wants to read this article and you really don't like where Embiid is, if you want to take me out to breakfast, I, I gladly will talk about every seven, every player ranked on this, all seventy-five. Uh, yeah, you know what? Um, add me in there too. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can go to breakfast with both me and Krishna if you don't like this article. <laughs> all right, Krishna. Um. I'm not going to name every player, but we'll just talk about, we'll start with the top 10 and I'll lay that out and I'll talk a little bit about just the idea of how the article is structured. And then you can just start start firing away with your disagreements, your questions, your frustrations. Um, So we did it in tears or I did it in tears. And basically the idea is in every tier, I don't really care if like this is what I think the players are rankings wise. But if you were like, you know, I think players seven and nine should be switched or 15 and 13 should be switched. Like, I don't care. Sure. Like I, I, I could understand how you can make the case for that. So uh, I'm fine with it. Uh, so tier one, we got Joker at number one, back to back MVP. We got Luka at two, which we don't need to talk about on this show because we had a whole episode on the Luka debate. If you want to listen to that, if you're interested in Luka talk, uh, check out, just scroll down on the feed. The Luka debate, I think, is maybe like three or four episodes ago. So we have Joker at one, Luka at two, Giannis at three, Steph at four. That's tier one. That's the super elite. That's if I'm doing a 2K draft, those are the top guys I'm taking. Then there's a secondary tier where I think these are also number one players on a championship team. Uh, number five, we got Tatum, six Embiid, seven LeBron, eight Dame, nine Durant, and 10 Mitchell. So those are the top two tiers. Those are like the really big time number one players I'm hanging my hat on as a franchise. Krishna, what are you thinking? What are you feeling?
1: Yeah, um, so we obviously touched on Luka already, so we're not gonna really spend too much time. Uh,
0: and we talked about it for like literally an hour on the other podcast, yeah. if you're interested.
1: And uh, And I think I mentioned in that, Podcasts that I would have not had Luca in that top tier.
0: Oh yeah. Just so everyone had everyone listening. I was pro Luca to Krishna, not pro Luca to anti Luca. Yeah. So, uh,
1: that, that's obviously one of my disagreements that we've already covered. Um, I will say so, and I agree kind of with the other guys in that tier. Um, I think so when I'm looking at this top tier, uh, and I actually do think, um, I think this would probably be my number one tier, although I'm I'm unsure and I'm wondering if Embiid should actually replace Luca in this top tier. Um, and I'll get to that in a, in, uh, a, a second, but I do want to just quickly talk about the two guys I feel uh, the most safe about in this top tier. Like the two guys I think you can't argue about and you have i mean
0: (laughs) it's like trust me krishna they have argued with me the last two days on twitter they have. yeah
1: well no i i've seen i mean you mentioned this before the pod started that that somebody was uh you know arguing with you about having steph in the top tier and it's like we just saw the guy win a championship and average um like what was it 32 against one of the most elite defenses of you know the last whatever, 10 years or something, a defense that had, like, no weak links. Um, so, obviously, Steph, and I obviously we saw the year before Giannis um, win a championship. So, I think if you're looking at, like, the two players that you don't have any questions about, like, you basically know they can win a championship as the lead dog, at, um, partly because they just did it the last two years. So, I guess this is kind of, like, confirmation bias where you know, um, I'm just confirming what I just saw in the last two years, right? Like, so that's unfair probably to, like, Jokic and, and maybe to Embiid, who I do think should be in this tier. But I I think with Jokic, the questions are fair around his defense. Like, what does the defense look like in the playoffs? Um, it's, a, um, it's not a small concern, but I, I don't think, like... Like, I think the Nuggets are are probably rightfully going to be the favorite to come out of the West this year, and I'm not um, that concerned about the Nuggets um, and Jokic's uh, defense, I guess, in terms of, like, being able to advance far in the playoffs. But it's a, it's a concern uh, that I think, as a big man, you, like, you know, his defense is, is better than Steph, for example, right? But as a big man, you have to be better on that end, so... Um, that's, it's a, it's a very minor concern. Um, and honestly, I don't think that would necessarily mean that I would have Steph and Giannis higher than Jokic. I'm just mentioning like, in terms of like safeness of picks. Right. Um, and I actually agree with having Jokic at number one. Um, you know, like the (laughs) the guy's been first in LeBron for the last three straight years, um, if you were a hater, you would mention that Jokic's playoff LeBron is not that great, um, but you know I think you can pretty comfortably counter with the fact that he's been missing a lot of his teammates for
0: the last few years, um, and uh, so still a positive, still, a, still positive a positive with no teammates around him, still a positive um, D LeBron in the playoffs.
1: Should should we create that as a part of a as part of this podcast here? If you are a hater, then and then that's and then we address each player's weaknesses.
0: Mm, we could do that. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's I think it's okay for you to give the uh to play the devil's advocate of these rankings. I feel like that could kind of be the theme of the uh podcast. Okay. I, I might just lead
1: off with that line every time. Uh <laughs> as like kind of the weakness portion of that player, right? Um I so and the and the final player, obviously, that I feel uh I think I would have in this tier would be Embiid. And um you know, I've gone I think you can go back and forth with him. um I do get a give him a a kind of a pass for last year um because of the face injury uh he he was wearing a face mask, and he pretty clearly couldn't see. <laughs>
0: And yes. Yeah. Well, so he had so he had the the, the broken face and he had the thumb right. injury. So last year really drags down his playoff numbers. That's not the reason that I had him in the tier below. Also, so like the way I envision these two top tiers, right, is let's say tier one, you know, Joker, Luka, Giannis, Steph, they're like, if we're playing 2K, 98 overall, right? And then the tier right below them is like maybe 95 or 96 overall. I would say this is the smallest division of probably any of the tiers on the list. But, you know, I'm going to go to my classic radio days. Uh, You know, Luca just has it. Steph has it. I don't know if Embiid has it. I'm not saying he doesn't. Because, you know, if you look at his numbers, he's a great player. He can dominate. He can play on both ends of the court. It's not so much that I... It actually has nothing to do with me disliking and beat's game. I'm just unsure at the highest levels how that translates. I'm interested to see this year because I feel like last year he was really playing well. He was rolling going into the playoffs. Everyone was really excited to see that. I think it still would have been disappointing because Harden wasn't Harden last year. This year, obviously, everything seems to be a lot better. They have a really good infrastructure around them. The Sixers are a legit candidate to make the finals, right? They're not the favorites, but they're not a dark horse by any means, right? They're in that second tier right underneath the elite teams as legitimate playoff threats. I feel like this is a excellent way to evaluate a player because the problem is like you know Embiid and Joker get p- compared all the time. The problem is is Joker I thought played really well in the first round versus Golden State last year. So, two things. He didn't have any real teammates outside of Aaron Gordon. And then two, they were playing the best team in the league cuz they they did lose in the first round, but they lost to the team that won the championship. So, it's hard because, you know, you could you could take parts of my argument here and be like, well, how does that apply to, to Joker, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I'm really excited this year for Embiid because it seems like everything is lining up to where if they're going to do serious damage... Because here's the thing, like, you can't control the team you're on every year. You can't always be on Boston, right? The Celtics are the best team this year. They're going to go into the playoffs as the favorites. You know, we all know that. But you're not going to be in that situation every single season. And a lot of the times when you are maybe a team like the Kings. So the Kings are going to lose this year in the playoffs in probably like, I don't know, the second round. Maybe they get to the third round. But they're not going to win the finals. Their team just is not good enough defensively. And then people are going to use that as an argument against De'Aaron Fox. They're going to say De'Aaron Fox isn't better than X, Y, and Z player because they lost in the second round. This other player got further, right? But it's like, well, just the Kings are very good this year. It's not taking anything away from them. I know I've hated them all year. Their offense is very, very good. And they can really beat some teams. But eventually they're going to come up against teams that are better than them, that are more complete, and then people are going to use that against Fox. There are times where it's more fair, I would say, to be like, well, they did lose this playoff series. Because I think sometimes that argument is used in bad faith. Um, I try not to use it that way. I think this year Embiid's going to be able to settle a lot of questions because, you know, he has Harden. And then he has the secondary players. He has Maxi. Uh, you know, they have a, a really good stable of defensive players. So I think this is the year where if Embiid is going to jump up into that tier, that number one tier, this is the playoff run to do that. And then next year, who knows? He goes on to win an MVP, whatever it may be. That's another way to get into that top tier. Because in my mind, that top tier is MVP or MVP level players. And I think Luke has been there for, I'd say, the last in the playoffs last year and this year so far has been playing at that MVP level really went just like supernova versus the Suns last year in the playoffs. And I just want to see that one time out of Embiid one more time, maybe to be like, okay, I feel comfortable with him up at the very top because I just, there's a little bit of doubt in my mind with him. I don't, I don't know exactly how to put my thumb on it. But there's just a little doubt in the back of my head. It could be that he's leading the league in bad body language and has been basically since he came into the league. I don't know what, like, the 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 locker room or the leadership or whatever, whatever you want to call that, intangibles, whatever it is, I don't know. But with Embiid there, I just want to know when push comes to shove, like, what has he got when he digs deep down? Because I just, honestly, I don't have an answer.
1: Uh, can I just annihilate your argument right now?
0: Go okay. for it. Go for
1: it. Um. So first of all, I I don't want to get into Luca again, but I feel like I'm getting dragged into talking about him again because now we're kind of comparing him with Embiid. Um, the Luca, it's he lost his team lost four one in the conference finals. I understand they beat a
0: very good... to the Sunday. best team that to a team that was much 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 better than
1: them. They're I not they're even on the same I, I'm level. Not, team right, wise. but
0: when. Um, but he beat the Suns, a team they were not supposed to beat.
1: Okay, so let me ask you this. Why is that um, any better than – I mean, so I'm, I'm going to go back to 2019. Is that –
0: Because the problem is that your argument is you're going back to 2019.
1: Unfair uh, for Embiid, uh, uh, for Luka, okay. But I don't think Embiid's that. Honestly, I would say Embiid's a better player than 2019. They lost in seven games on a buzzer beater to the eventual champions. Uh, a championship team that, by the way, I would say was probably better than the Warriors. Now, I understand that uh, Sixers' team was probably much better than the uh, than the Mavericks' team, but I do think... I think Embiid's performance in that series was better than Luka's performance. And the one thing I... Over the space. One thing I do feel like you're ignoring with the two of them is that Embiid plays both sides of the court. And I do think Luca's defense was pretty terrible in the conference finals. And um part of that is having to do a lot. But as look, we we kind of discussed Luca and the whole like seating control, the Jalen Brunson, that whole aspect. So I don't want to get into that too much, but I just do think. That we have to acknowledge that Luca's defense is has not been good until really this year. Like it's it started to turn around this
0: year, um, but I don't. I don't even know if I call it good this year. I would just say there's a lot of turnover generation, which has helped.
1: Yeah, um, and I, I I'm gonna also mention some stats here to you. Um, if we look at um, if we look at multi-year playoff LeBron, uh, so and I I guess this depends how much blame. Do you want to sign to Embiid with his injuries last year where he had the broken face and the uh, broken finger or whatever? Hold on. on.
0: Before you get to that point, just press pause on that. I want to, to address a few of the things. So one of the issues is you brought up 2019. 2019 was a long time ago. I wasn't looking at that for this list. It was the last two plus seasons. With, I guess, a little bit built on top of that. But 2019 was a while ago one that two do you think the 2019 sixers are better than this year's sixers that's a fun question
1: um i feel like that's a fun question that we should just have a podcast about later on <laughs> because i think
0: well because oh, just real quick though there was there was ben simmons on that team there was jimmy butler on that team with jj redick was on that team as well uh yeah i believe so yeah was there any other uh Any other big-time needle movers on that team?
1: Uh, I think it was J.J. Redick, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Embiid, and Tobias. Well, that's a pretty good squad. um, That is a pretty good squad. I I honestly am not sure if it's better than— You might have—I think right now it feels like it's easier to say that team was better because we saw that team— take the eventual champions to seven games and lose on one shot. The, like here's the one thing I'll say about Embiid. I feel like we have enough to say that we know he can be the number 1 because the, the way I look at that Oh, yeah.
0: definitely. He absolutely can be the oh, best on. player on the The way I team. look at that That's series,
1: right. I look at him as being the best player on a team that was championship quality. And the reason I say they were championship quality is because essentially uh I guess the result of that series. Now to be fair, sorry, the like losing and on a on a bounce to to uh, a quiet bounce, right? To the in that uh, series. Now, to be fair, uh, the sample size on that team was pretty very small. It was like 20, 30 games, so it's kind of hard to evaluate, you know. And and you can look at like SRS, and I, I don't know if that team necessarily had the numbers of a championship quality team, but I think just from what that team did in the series against the Raptors. Now, maybe it was a great matchup. Um, maybe it was, you know, and, and maybe they lose to, you know, a different team or something. They would have played the Bucks in the, in the conference finals. But I think from what I saw in that series, uh, and a number of the Raptors players have said that that was their hardest series. Uh, and if you pr- look at Joel Embiid's plus minus in that series, uh, they basically lost the series because they had, A horrible backup situation he was like plus a billion
0: on the court I mean they've had a horrible backup situation there his entire career well no
1: that's true but his plus minus in that series is absurd he was like plus a hundred million and like on the court and like mine like it it, you can go look at the numbers it it was a ridiculous plus minus and and that's probably part of the reason why if you look at three-year playoff LeBron from 2019 to 21 he is number one Now, the reason I brought that up is because I don't think Embiid, at the very least, I think we can agree that he's probably a better player than he was in 2019.
0: Uh, Oh, absolutely. And here's the thing. Again, I still think he's a number one player on a championship team, like level caliber player. But I'm just saying, I think,
1: and to me, the weaknesses with Embiid's games, and I'm going to bring them, I'm going to bring up the hater Krishna here. Uh, The hater Krishna would be upset with like um like the bad pass uh the sorry, the lost ball turnovers, right? Like there's he has a he has a lot of kind of untimely turnovers and uh and also there's a lot of times when he falls to the ground and that leads to transition offense for the opposing team. Those and those absolutely drive me crazy, right? Like the ball, the place where he just loses the ball, like somebody comes up to him and just takes the ball. Part of that is just being a big in the NBA, right? Like it's hard to be that big and be like aware of like all these little guys coming and poking the ball, you know, trying to poke the ball away from you. Um, And, and you know, the the falling down, I, I've heard it's like uh, a way for him to like not get injured or something like that. Like he falls down so he doesn't get injured. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of times where he'll fall down and the other team will just get a run out and, you know, it helps. And the other team gets free points in in transition, basically. Um, You know, those are kind of weaknesses. But those kind of honestly seem pretty minor as weaknesses. I think if you look the rest of this game, um, and and his passing is not like, look, if he was – a elite passer, or if he was a much better passer, he would be an elite offensive engine, right? He is not that. Um, I don't He has improved arguing. though.
0: He has improved as a passer this year.
1: He has, and look, nobody is arguing that he is on the level of, you know, Jokic or Luca on offense. It is unquestionably not the case, right? Like he is, he is a far, he is a, a few tiers down from them on offense. However, I think if you include the defense, and and we've seen in past playoff series, we saw in the Raptors series last year a bit, um, we saw in that uh, we <laughs> both Raptors series, I guess in 2019 as well. His defense has actually gone up a level in the playoffs. If you look at it, like his D Lebron from 2019 to 21, um, that is the reason he's number one in in three year uh, playoff Lebron from 2019 to 21 is because of the defense just being so impactful. So he can impact of uh, and and he can impact he has a two-way impact that it just Luca does not have. And the thing with Luca is I feel like we're going a bit overboard basically on one series. You know, one series in which are the Suns a title level team last year? Um yeah, they
0: probably were, but um like a, maybe like low low title they were like a fr- in my mind they were like a fringe title content like a finals team like it may i thought they were going to lose to golden state in the conference finals
1: yes yeah, the whole like
0: at the beginning of the playoffs okay. but they were a but i will say they were a quality late round team
1: yeah that's
0: that's how i, would I guess
1: them. it depends how much credit you want to give like I, that's that's the difficult question how good was that sun's team how good was winning that series and it's and that's tough to answer i think because it would seem like such a big upset, there's this natural tendency to want to give Luka more credit than somebody like Embiid, who's maybe not had like some massive upset like that. But in general, Embiid's not had some massive upset like that because his, team, his teams have come into the playoffs as favorites more often because of his play in the regular season, which he's actually
0: routinely ahead of Luka and LeBron. Like, he has routinely been more valuable. Yeah, but you also have to adjust that for, like, you have to adjust that for position. Because, like, he's a big, so his D. LeBron's going to be higher. You need to, like, adjust his D. LeBron in comparison to other bigs. Um, Embiid? Yeah. I mean, you'd have to adjust both of their O and D. LeBrons kind of to their... I actually think, well, here's the
1: thing. I think if you're adjusting Luka's D. LeBron for his position, and... I, I understand he's like a point guard on offense, but given his size, he's kind of more of a a wing. And I think you'd actually downgrade him more when compared to his position.
0: Um, no, no, no. Uh, you would upgrade him because right now he's being compared against the entire pool of players, including bigs. And you'd probably just compare him to like off-ball defenders. So you would take out all the high D LeBrons of every big in the league. So it would actually go up a little bit. Um. Because he, he would, you would only compare him to other off-ball defenders who are just, for the most part, going to have lower D Lebrons.
1: Yeah, I, I guess my other thing with Luca is I, uh, I guess part of my take here with Luca is I, I feel like his, uh, I, I think knowing where to be on defense is obviously important, but I, I do feel like speed. Is something that can be valuable on defense in terms of uh, for a perimeter player, like just having the speed to get out to closeouts, like having the H- high mobility. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Mo- like having the speed to just run around everywhere,
0: right? Like the get. Okay, hold on. Before you before you make more solid points, I just want to address the points because it's really hard to address like ten points at once. It just gets confusing when you're listening. So to one thing I would adjust, you would have to adjust Embiid's defense because he's in the anchor big role that you actually don't really need to adjust their offense. You maybe could a little bit. They're in the same offensive role of shock creator. If you say, hey, I am I like having a bigger offensive value from my center because it is a little rare, I, I could understand that. So you might adjust Embiid's numbers up a tick, but I still think Embiid beats him on offense. And then on top of that, so here's the thing. So looking back at just regular season, Embiid has had good D. Like, don't get me wrong. They're, they're not, they're above average. They are good, but he hasn't had an elite D since 2019 and I feel like the big part of your argument is 2019 2019 but like that's five years ago that's a long time ago like he's not really the same player and I don't mean that as a slight I just mean it as like he's probably a better overall player but he just is a different player because I was looking at the his 2020 playoffs like this is just the box score so you know don't take it as gospel obviously but in that playoff run uh, it was 11 games he averaged 20 points a game he shot 31% from three, not great, with a true shooting of 56%. So, like I know the O'LeBron was pretty good because there's a lot more to him than than obviously just the points. Um, but you do have to take into account it wasn't a dominant box score, which does matter. I know that doesn't take into account, you know, the quality of defense you're playing, how much you just raise the tide for your offense, but just looking at some of those box score numbers, I thought they would be a little bit more impressive for 2019, but that being said, I know there's more that goes into it.
1: Yeah, the other thing I'm going to mention is that, have I mentioned that Luca had Jalen Brunson on his team, and but, uh, <laughs> <Dorale> <laughs> beats best teammate in that stretch was Ben Simmons, who I feel like we both would agree with now is probably maxing out. Oh, Jimmy Butler's better than Ben Simmons? no, no. no. I mean, in 2020 and 2021 oh okay, okay, okay. Or, or sorry 2020 uh, not last year last year at hard uh you, you mentioned 2020 i think that was the year they got swept by the summer.
0: man you're really cherry picking all these things really <laughs> you're going you're like hey let's look at the 2016 march well, uh, away game. you're telling me
1: you're sitting here telling me and b doesn't have it and i have no idea what it means
0: no! I didn't say he didn't have it. I said I just am not sure yet. But you're Other telling people me might already know. He, so I to me, know. all I can quantify, like the only
1: way I can quantify whatever it is, is like this guy's got a championship. In which case, no,
0: no, 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 no.
1: Are, are you now? Are you going to say it's like making a conference finals? I guess that's fair. I guess
0: no, no. It's not. It's it's not so much that. It's like I don't know. What does Dame have in those Medela commercials? What what kind of aura does he have? I don't know what it is. I, I don't. But there's something. I mean, I, I
1: I get like I that's my point. Like your argument's coming down to something you can't explain
0: to me. <laughs> no, it's more than that. It's just it's just spearheaded by that. Um, I. I uh, all right. Is there anything you want to touch on before we go further down the list? Because we're six players into a seventy-five player
1: list. Yeah, and and we've been arguing about. So so basically I, for thirty I minutes. To wrap it up. Uh oh, not to to kind of wrap up this segment. I I guess. Um. So I, you know, the my main disagreement is I, I would probably sub in Embiid for for Luca, um, and I'm I'm going to. So would you have Embiid at two? No, I would not. I, I would not have. and act. So you know,
0: what? Just give me give me your top ten. Give me your top ten.
1: So I would have. Um, I would have. I think my tier one would probably be Jokic, Luca, and Jan. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <Luka>. <laughs> you got him on the brain. <laughs> you got
1: me to, to add, throw Luke in um,
0: I'm just worming in there. I'm, you know, people have often said I'm just a worm and an apple just getting in people's heads. Yeah. Uh,
1: it, it would be Jokic, Giannis, and Steph. And at the moment, I would have Embiid in that tier. So my position on Embiid is I'm not sure if he is in that top tier. I'm not sure. So to me, he falls somewhere
0: in between. He needs his own tier is what you're telling me. I might be saying that, yeah. Um, that would have really riled the people up. Can you imagine if I had a tier one, top four guys? I had a tier two that was just Embiid, and then I had a tier three that was everybody, all the other like LeBron Durant Mitchell. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> um. In high,
0: that's what we do next year. All the uh, Embiid uh, fans, that's what I'm doing next year.
1: Um, I think, uh, I think the Embiid versus Jokic aspect in the playoffs. So Embiid's actually had a higher playoff LeBrons. Um, I Can you imagine if they played each other in the finals. That's a very real possibility, right?
0: <laughs> People would just go
1: insane. I think Twitter would break. Um I you know what? I'll I'll put it because I don't want to just have a one player tier and because Why
0: not? You get it's your list. You get do whatever you want with it. That's why I wrote my list.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um I'll I'll put him in that top tier because I do think he's got the numbers uh in terms of backing
0: it up in terms of his um Regular but here's the thing. Everybody's got the numbers in this top ten. <laughs> Everybody's got the numbers. There's so many guys averaging 30 points a game in this tier. Like, we didn't even talk about Jason Tatum. Averaging 30 points a game on plus six efficiency.
1: Yeah, so, so let's move on to Tatum because Tatum's a very interesting player um where I go back and forth on him. So I'm going to admit something. I actually had Tatum above Embiid before the season started. And I think part of it was, oh. um you know, Tatum's team has just made the finals, and
0: uh, wait, hold on—you you moved Tatum down after this season. He's been so good this season.
1: I I think it, I shouldn't say I I moved him down. I should say I'm reevaluating my. I think what happened is I moved him B down, and I'm looking. I'm thinking about it now, and I don't know why I moved him down. I think it it was kind of like this. Because uh, he didn't have it. You were just like, I'm just not seeing the it. <laughs> um so is the it the body language for you that's not helping i mean if, if that's what you're saying i i guess i get it like i i can understand that.
0: christian you're been in a foxhole you've been in a foxhole with a group of guys i have not but i would imagine i will i want people with good body language in the foxhole
1: yeah um I also don't want to, like,
0: judge players based on body language. So that's part of it. I don't want someone in the foxhole that's complaining that people are shooting at us. They're like, well, you know, I really wish people weren't shooting at us in this foxhole. It's like, well, guess what? We're in foxhole.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I guess I just don't – like, I, I I get what you're saying with the body language, but I just – I wouldn't want to
0: include that. Um, and maybe, maybe- – as, as, as the NBA – as the NBA – what would my title be? The residing uh, empath NBA uh, analyst, you know, I, I can't help but read the the body language and the uh, vibes coming off the guy.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I guess I'm just not gonna include that because I I am not an expert at reading body language. I'm I'm quite terrible at it.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, sounds like there could be a good story. Is there some stories behind that?
1: No, I, I just don't think I I know how to read body. Like I mean. I I think that I feel like I could see, like I can you I understand like what you see when you're watching a where you're like oh his body language looks terrible
0: right. I'm like oh he's laying on the ground because he fell over when he got stripped not playing transition defense his body language is that's not helping his possession
1: that so that I mentioned to you earlier where he he's like falling down a lot and and the team's getting back in transition that to me is not body language that's just a part of his game right like so yeah, I separate yeah, yeah. that from um, like, oh, he's slumped down because his team's down three or something. Like, I, I I don't know. Like, I have no idea what's going through his head. Um,
0: I, you know, I've always said this, Christian. You can't play great defense playing on the ground. That's
1: fair. I, I don't, you know, I think the, uh, you know, there there's a lot of times where, like, yeah, he's on the ground and a team's running back in transition. I also think harping only on that, like, looking only at that,
0: like, No, no. I just think Lucas just like a multitudes better offensive player that's capable of like driving more offense because the playmaking because basically Lucas playmaking so absurd that it drives his offensive value to a place that I don't think Embiid can get to. Because, like, the the gap, like, it's not, it has nothing to do with his individual scoring. Embiid's individual scoring is phenomenal. It's basically as good as it can get, but Luca, I would say, is on a similar level scoring wise, but the playmaking is multitudes better. That's really the argument with Embiid. It's there are players above him that are such great playmakers that they add additional value. That's, really, to that's me, the actual argument. To me, it feels argument. like now you're just ranking offense.
1: Because to me, and I, I, we highlighted the Luka weakness as the off-ball, the complete unwillingness to move and shoot off-ball, the ball... I mean, I don't I want to say ball dominance is a weakness, but the, the willingness to seek control. The defense
0: has been, you know, not good in the playoffs. No, but what I'm saying is the the total offense of Luka I would say is superior in my mind in the playoffs to the offense plus defensive and beat. That's all.
1: Yeah. I guess I just don't do dis- agree. Cause I just think there's a massive gap on defense. And, and to me, like I think, um, you know, the, the Warriors took advantage of, of Luca quite a bit on defense, like uh, having him kind of attacking him in different ways where he's like now the, the low man on defense. Right. Um, so I, I just, and, and you know, attacking the pick and roll and stuff. And the event creation, like, honestly, I, I don't think on ball defense is that important. So I think that Luca's event kind of creation on defense not being that great until this year is also not helping. Um, but, yeah, I, I I guess I just don't think I think there's such a massive like I, to me, it feels like you're putting this idea in your head that like Luca's is LeBron and he's not to me. <laughs> like that's where I feel like it feels like you think we're we're basically getting to this point where it's like it feels like Luca is like a LeBron level player from a bunch of years ago, and to me he's just not that level player because of, of various differences, like primarily hmm. in defense.
0: Um, I guess the simplest way I can put it is in my head, like Luca's like a seven with it all coming from offense, and Embiid's like a like in me, simple terms like a like a four and a two. Uh, Four on offense, two on defense, or whatever you want to call it. Two on
1: defense.
0: Well, I mean, I'm talking about it like sort of in like in like LeBron, like D-LeBron terms. Yeah, I mean, he has been like sort of, of, like kind of, multiple years though. Or sure, I'll call I'll call Luca an eight on offense, and then and be like a four on offense, and like a three on defense. Is that better? I made this imaginary scale I'm making up right now.
1: Yeah, ex- except he's just been behind him in both, in all these years in LeBron. And I and I get, I understand what you're saying about the position adjustments, but I think when you're looking at overall LeBron, you actually don't need to make position adjustments because um, essentially the position adjustments for offense and defense get kind of almost canceled out in a way. So I don't think you need to make, and the offensive scale is larger as well. Uh, and you didn't mention this, but like you mentioned this briefly, but like uh, having that type of offense coming from a center is insanely rare. Um, you you're I mean, how many centers have that type of offense? Like two, basically, right? Three, four, maybe. So towns. Uh, <laughs> you're killing your own argument. Stop counting. Uh, yeah. But basically we're talking about Joker and I-, I guess, towns. Yeah, three and- out of like 30 centers. Right. So. <laughs> That's a very small number there. Um, whereas I think you have more people on Luca's tier on offense with like Jokic, Steph, Dame. Uh, that right there is four. Um, so, uh, <laughs> and uh, but anyways, let's let's kind of move on because we've been talking about we're we're talking about Luca again, and we wanted to avoid that
0: because we had a whole. Hey, when you're the second best player in the world, it's hard not <laughs> to talk about you. Uh,
1: and I and I think we've covered Embiid let's let's get back to uh let's talk briefly on tatum because um i'm gonna say something that you mentioned to me before the pod so
0: whoa 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 i feel like you can't you can't phrase it that way that feels like cheating <laughs> i just hey I in your deepest darkest moment of doubt in your deepest darkest moment of doubt i'm going to now share this with everyone and not only just say it but also accredit it to you
1: okay okay well um well, I, let, okay, I'll, let me phrase it this way. I feel like you agree with me that you're not sure if Tatum should be that high.
0: So here's the thing with Tatum is he doesn't have the dominant isolation scoring typical of a star, and that is scary because that is the most valuable. Like, I don't know how to describe how valuable that is in comparison to everything else because it's kind of the end-all be-all because at the end of the you know, fourth quarter late in the game, you need your star player to generate points. The thing with Tatum that is the weird counterweight is that he's very, very good across the board at everything. He is spectacular at defense. And I think that can, that, how would I phrase this? It works well. Like we've seen it. He works well as like a unit in a very very good defense but i also think he could just help elevate if you like let's just say boston had a poorer defense and a better offense i think he is more flexible because of one his off-ball scoring is very very good he's a fantastic catch and shoot three-point shooter and then also i i think you could he could buoy a defense because he's just so strong there yeah so uh He's a little bit more of a versatility pick versus a dominant skill pick. So he's he's different than the other players, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, I so actually before the season, I think I might have had Tatum ahead of Luka. Um, and I actually wow. think you could still make that argument just because um, of the versatility of like – so basically the way – I think the way to look at Tatum is he might be like – top 10, 20 or top 50 or whatever you want to say at like every skill. So he's – he to me, he's probably the most versatile player in the NBA in terms of like he is good at everything, but he's not necessarily elite at anything.
0: Yeah, and when we say good, he was above average at literally every defensive indicator I used to right. research this list, wow. which is like quite a few, which is like there's just not that many players that are like that because a lot of them are like – There's skills defending around the rim and on the perimeter, and just most players aren't
1: good at both. Right? Yeah, like it. it, Those are very different skills, and and honestly, like I'm saying good, but
0: like you could say very good, right? Great, yeah, yeah. So here's one thing, right? So you know how sometimes a player gets traded? We'll say Kyrie to the Mavericks, where Kyrie is a fantastic player that makes the Mavericks better, but it's the same thing we talked about. We're back here talking about Luka, but that's, again, we won't focus on that. But sometimes you have some overlap in skills. It's the same thing with with, some people would say with Tatum and Brown, right? So the issue is when you have players that have specific skill sets, it's harder to match them up with other players because you need, like, let's say Jaw and Jaron Jackson Jr. is a very, very good coupling because Jaw is not very good at defense. So he has Jaron providing elite rim protection behind him, can switch and all those things. And then on offense, he's also a stretch big and Jaw isn't really a spacer. He can get to the basket a lot. Like their synergy is about as ideal as it can get, right? and i think Tatum while isn't he's probably not the best fit with Brown his ability to fit in with literally every team every combination of players like i don't think there's really a team where you're like oh Jason Tatum like just doesn't really like fit into what this team is
1: oh yeah completely agree so i actually think Tatum is is he the most portable player in the nba like to me i see somebody like Tatum and i think like I think there's like, if I'm putting Tatum with Ja, for example, that's a great fit. Whereas, like, if I'm trying to put Luca with Ja, I'm like, okay, well, both <laughs> there's the some guys overlap have here. insanely high ball dominance numbers. So, something's happening here. Like, you can't both have, uh, I think Ja's like, they're both like top five in ball dominance. So, you can't both have the ball. Uh at like top five rate. So something's got to change and how does that affect both players? How does uh is luca able to cede control to like a a secondary
0: player? And then how much does it even mesh with when they are together like you know because they're forced into other roles Well, the other thing thing with the is ball shot making for both of them the, the catch and shoot shot
1: making right like neither of them Are necessarily that great at that so like that's a situation where you're like, okay I don't know if those two guys are such a great fit Whereas if I'm pairing Tatum with John, I'm like, yeah, I'm not worried about that fit. So like, and I feel like you could literally plop Tatum on every team in the NBA and you're like, yeah, this is a great fit. I, I'm not worried yeah
0: yeah i don't don't the 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 ability i think to break it down further is he can play the three or the four it's not an issue which like whatever wherever you want him it it doesn't really matter and because he's big enough and he's strong enough to provide resistance at the rim at the four and then he's mobile enough to be able to play the three so you could play him at wing stopper you could play him at helper both on and off ball defensively and you're getting a plus player and then on offense he is able to score in really high volume he's averaging 30 a year or this year, and then on top of that, he's a fantastic off-ball catch-and-shoot guy, so yeah, there's just, I I fail to see, that. that's part of his value, it's like you could literally yeah. pair him with any combination of players, and like that does have value, because the NBA is like an ever-changing landscape, where like every two or three years, most teams look like a good bit different.
1: Yeah, so I think the thing with Tate, so exactly, so I think we've kind of covered his, his pros, I think that, as you mentioned earlier the like kind of the isolation scoring and the shot making he is not like elite in that area and and when i say he's not elite, elite i'm talking about like oh top 5 level like i don't yeah. think the biggest boston celtic fan would disagree that kevin durant and steph curry are better shot makers than like uh, jason tatum right like that that's not. how about
0: in- this how about this you get you're, you absolutely dude. i agree with you So you would probably say Trey. So we're going to say Tatum, the most portable player, probably in the league. But after that, we're going to say Trey Young, probably the least portable player in the league. And I actually think if you plug those two players in together, that would be a a fantastic pairing.
1: Yeah, it actually would be. I think. uh,
0: Ooh, that's that's a good take.
1: Tatum might be one of the best guys to pair with. Trey in terms of like who he can fit
0: with with literally the most difficult player to try to fit. And I do agree with you that
1: Trey might be the least portable player in the NBA. Um, Although, although I'm now going to come at your guy and I'm going to say, if we're saying Trey's one of the least portable players in the league, what is that different about him offensively outside of being a little smaller than your
0: guy, Luca? Oh, I would just Luca's just he's just Luca's just better, but it, it's I don't know. the same, like, same I don't, skill I just... set in a way. Yeah, it's the same skill Luka's set. A much as better mid range like in... scorer, obviously. Oh, well, also Luca's better at defense. Like Trey's like a D three defender.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean I, I'm not disagreeing. Luca's better on D. No, well, Trey's like possibly the worst defender in the NBA, right? So, <laughs> like NBA, like yeah. So yeah, um, but I do think so... as I mentioned earlier, I do feel like one of the concerns with like somebody like Luca is like. You know, I like uh, having a guard or a, a, basically a smaller play, like a non center. Um, I like that player to be able to kind of fly around on defense. And I I, I don't think Luca's doing that for you. Um, no, no, so, it's not, it's not his yeah. game. So, um, you know, I think, and and you know, the ball dominance, the uh, the catch and shoot, shot making, and stuff like that, all not that dissimilar, right? So, um, I think Tatum and Luka would be a fantastic yeah. pairing. You could put Tatum on anybody's oh, team. Oh, yeah. No, I, I do think, I mean, Tatum. <laughs> so, I, going back to Tatum, though, the, our, regarding his ranking now, it's like where you have him in the league. Like, you mentioned you feel like he could be a little lower because, like, to be that top level player, and we do agree about this, like, you have to have that, like, ability to go get a bucket, right? And we're not saying Tatum doesn't have that. We're just saying he's not, like, the top of the, the cream of the crop, right? Like, he's not the Steph Curry. He's not he's not Kevin Durant. He's not even Jokic, right, in that regard. Um, And you're going to get, like, games with Tatum where, uh, you're going to get a lot more games with Tatum where you have, like, a, a, you know, four for 17 or something like that. Um, Or, so basically, you're going to get a lot more games where he doesn't quite have the shooting efficiency that these other guys have. Um, and, and that's kind of just reflected in like, if you look at like his, uh, relative true shooting percentage, for example, it's, it's not quite at the level as, as those other players given the usage level. Right. So, um, and you know, you, or you could look at something like isolation scoring. He's not quite on that level as, as the other players. Um, so I think the, it comes down to like, how much do you value the versatility, the portable like just being able to play on any team in the league versus like the shot making that's so important in the playoffs.
0: I feel like that's the question with Tatum, like where you rank him. Is how I I I agree with what you're saying and I I understand the concern, but I'm going through his playoff game logs right now and he still has that ability to have big time games and get hot. We're like yes I think the the thing we're keying in on is like just series to series or year to year. The efficiency and like pull up and isolation isn't where we want it to be but like he dropped 46 on the Bucks in oh, yeah. game six last year. Like the big time volatile huge scoring games are there so he went 30 I- then 34 then 46 against the Bucks, which like that's that's The defenses aren't going to really get better than that.
1: Oh, yeah. No, so I actually think Tatum's got that ability to reach. So his peak form when he's on on offense is incredible, right? Like, I think he's got that. So to me, he's actually a little bit less consistent as a score because um, I think in between those, like, 46-point games, you see, uh, like, I think if you pull off that playoff game log, right, you maybe see... <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's like in the finals last year, there's two duds. There's a 12 point game and a 13 point right. game.
1: Right. Um, and and look, everybody has duds, um, so like I don't I don't think that necessarily means anything. But like, um,
0: uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Like looking at his game logs, basically the entire run there was about one dud a series, which I think is understandable. And then in the finals there was two, which is tough because it's the biggest stage. But I as long as you have that big time scoring game that comes out semi to to somewhat regularly, then I'm not, I can look past the uh, deficiencies, maybe game to game in isolation, if that makes uh, sense. Because as long as you yeah. have that high end play, because you you just need it to line up for a number of games to win a championship. Because there's other players that just don't have that. And it's like, well, that that's the most valuable thing in the game. The ability to score 40 plus points in a playoff game, which he did against the Bucks last year. Like that's that's the most important skill, and he showed he has
1: it. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of looking at his playoff game log last year too, and he he's got a ten point game in the Milwaukee series, ten point game in the Miami series.
0: Yeah, he's got one, so he's got he's got one, got one dud a series. I use. actually
1: think one dud is pretty much on par for every player in that. Like, Steph has one dead, dud every series. I think
0: every player basically yeah, has one dud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing I pretty would— much. You just can't—like, you like, having two or three consistently, that's when you fall into, like, DeMar DeRozan right. territory, where it's like— The thing I would argue,
1: though, is that I— So he has one dud where he only scores, like, 10, 12 points, but there is, like, for example, if I'm looking at the the Miami series— He's got a game here where he's got 22 points on 7 of 20 shooting. Uh, looks like about 24 true shot attempts, right? So that's a below average efficiency. So there are games where he has like 20 points on like 20 shot attempts. There are a few more of those. Like when you start to add those up, um, you get more than one. Now, he doesn't have like the, the awful, awful games. Um, but, you know, and he's got some like he's got a pair of games that like he has seven turnovers or something like that. So um, and, and we're like really picking apart here. Um,
0: we're we're like we're 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 pretty we're a lot of layers deep. Yeah, in like we're
1: literally looking at his playoff
0: like game to game in the second round of. The um,
1: but I will say his playoff LeBron has also not been that great. Um, and I I don't know. I'll be honest. I'm... He had a
0: four. Sorry, he had a four-block game against Milwaukee. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> uh, well, the, the one thing that I will say about his, like, <laughs> looking at this game log, right? The one thing, even without like the necessarily seeing the steals or blocks, we do know he's going to be pretty consistent defensively. Like, he's always going to bring it defensively. Uh...
0: Yeah, in the, in the I mean, Game Seven against Boston, he had what was it? Was it Game Seven against Boston? I might have just lost it. There's, there's, I mean, there's some really large, like steel block right. totals. That it's like a, it's a lot of turnovers. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of there's a, a. He had six steals in one of the Brooklyn games. Like that's that's yeah. crazy.
1: Now, like okay, so let let's kind of pull back and look at like where Tatum uh, the are basically the second half of this tier. So you mentioned, um,
0: you have yeah. Let's finish. We're we're at almost at an hour here. So anyone you want to talk about in the top ten.
1: Yeah. So basically, um, I think. And then, sorry, uh, I'm going to recap the top I, ten. I do just think for you can kind of flip flop Tatum and LeBron. Um, I are yeah, in the same tier doesn't doesn't matter. I think to me. LeBron's kind of hard to talk about because we haven't seen him in the playoffs since 2020, and that was the bubble season where you know there was better shooting, so um, it makes it even weirder.
0: Um, and his scoring in the uh, in like isolation has gone down the last couple years. Yeah.
1: So, um, but I, I think like, I think we kind of both know where, uh, we probably both agree. Like we haven't really, we obviously haven't seen it in the playoffs because he hasn't been in the playoffs. So we don't know what to think of playoff LeBron, but based on what he's done in the regular season and his history, you know, I, I, I don't really have much of an issue with where he is. Uh, the fascinating one to me was Damian Lillard at number eight. Um, and I thought that's, I think this is a very, very spicy ranking. And I honestly don't have an issue with it. I don't know if I agree with it. So here, here's what I'm going to say. I don't know if I agree with having Dame at eight. I don't even know if I agree with having Dame in this tier. However, I like it.
0: <laughs> Wait, hold on. So you like it, but you don't know if you agree? What is that? Mean? Um, I, I just like the idea of it. I like the idea of having... But you don't want the hate. You don't want to get the hate on Twitter. You don't want to get the uh, – I don't want to say I didn't receive a death threat, but I, I received someone being like, I'm thinking about death, like making a death threat. And I was like, that's a weird tweet. Okay. Um.
1: Yeah, I think – I don't know. I, I don't – like I, it's just kind of hard for me to place them, I think, partly because like I haven't really seen much. Like we haven't seen them in the playoffs, what, the last two years and – um. It's just, uh, I I guess, because we haven't really... He was great in that series against the Nuggets. He was phenomenal. Uh, And he definitely does not have the team. So I feel like this is what makes it very difficult to place him. Uh, But it's, you know what, it's not that dissimilar from LeBron, right? Like, you know, we also haven't seen LeBron in the playoffs in like a bunch of years too. So uh, the other thing is like, I guess his defense, like how much does the defense hurt in terms of like placement here?
0: It is a Herculean effort what he is doing on offense with honestly not the greatest talent around him. I'm gonna, I did a little thing, counted up how many uh players for each team were on this top 75 list. Portland has two players in the top 75, they have Dame at eight, and then they have Jeremy Grant all the way down at 58. So there just really is not a lot of high-end talent on this team. It's kind of been that way for a few years now with Dame. Just what he's doing is it's otherworldly, and it just reminds me of Steph. Like we talk about, this is in the article, or like we talk about Steph's gravity all the time for good reason. He just pulls teams apart. But with Dame, the gravity is, we'll call it vertical gravity, where he's just pulling everyone so far away from the hoop. Like there's nobody in the league that is pulling teams to essentially the half court line, like there's just so much more space to defend. And I think that helps with his playmaking and just the team's overall offense. There is a warping effect going on that is unlike anything else I'm seeing in the league right now. And I think that special talent on offense overrides whatever defensive concerns you have.
1: Yeah. Um, also, I I mentioned this you know, before the pod that I I said, is he having the best season of his career? Um, And I think, I don't think his old LeBron has ever been first. So I think he probably is having the best season of his career, which is pretty, uh, pretty crazy considering um, his age and also the team's record, (laughs) you know, like to be having (laughs) this type of season with the team just being bad, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, but
0: the 2020 season was pretty great, but the thing with Damus, his finishing talent has always just been okay, and it's skyrocketed this year, and he's just out of place offensively. Like, I always talk about this, Durant's at sage levels for the mid-range game. And I feel like Dame is there for the three-point game, and now he's learned to work everything off that. Because, like, he's never been the best playmaker in the league. He's never been the best driver and finisher in the league. But I think he's learned to leverage that three-point shooting skill to improve those elements of his game.
1: Yeah, and you can see a consistent rise in his playmaking talent year over the last three years, 29th to 14th to 11th. So this year really is, like, uh, kind of the culmination of his entire career, right? Like it's like, you know, everything's kind of peaking right now uh,
0: I believe he's 33. So he's kind of approaching the tail end of his prime I'd say so like for the most part the cliff is at 35 for players Hall of Famers can extend that for a year or two, sometimes three and I think he is a Hall of Famer, so I think we're seeing the tail end of his prime right now and I think the next two years you're still going to get really high end play out of him. But yeah, I think this is the point where like just everything is peaking where like, yeah, the culmination of his entire career, everything is like, it's never been sharper than it is now. Um. Yeah. So He can control, he can control games. Like that's really the thing with these top tier players is like, they're capable of controlling the flow of the game. That's the difference between top 10 players and like top 25 players.
1: Yeah. Um. I think <laughs> I, I, I'm just, so I actually, the more I think about it, the more I kind of don't have a problem with the placement, honestly. Like, I, I'm i cool with it, you know? Like, I, I don't know if I agree with it. I don't know if I would put him in the same spot, but I'm, like, kind of cool with it because I just, he feels like kind of a hard player to, like, pinpoint right now. Like, where would I have him? But I uh, I kind of like the fact that you have him one spot ahead of KD, who uh, I think, uh, you know, he's, he's been awesome. Um and uh i actually think it's it's fascinating to see your list where to me it it seems it definitely seems a little more offensively slanted right and especially maybe given a little more um like you can you can look at this list and you can be like oh i see the type of guy taylor's kind of into right you know, like I'm seeing Dame at Big
0: time, big time scoring, like the ability to go nuclear in games. I, you can see it with my last player on the list. So my last player at 75 is Jordan Clarkson. And there's other players that I think are are you could honestly swap out right. You could have Franz and Orlando. You could have I don't know Jordan Poole, Anthony Simons, players, yeah, Scotty Barnes, whatever it is. Herder, Michael Porter Jr. These were kind of all in that like oh, this could be the last spot. But Jordan Clarkson's ability to score 30 points in a playoff game is really valuable because if you're a team that's going to win the championship clarkson's going to be your fifth best player something like that fourth maybe maybe the fourth fourth or fifth best player on a team and that kind of upside like this list is very very upside oriented of because here's the thing like you don't win a championship when your three best players are playing to their career averages you win a championship when your top guys are playing the best basketball of their lives because that's just how the sport plays out. So, yeah, there are some maybe slightly less consistent players higher than other people would have them, but that nuclear option to me, the likelihood of the nuclear option is the most valuable thing in basketball in my eyes.
1: Yeah. um, I I was just kind of more thinking, like, you have Dame at eight, you have Mitchell. Like, there's a very um, offensive... (laughs) <laughs> offensive oriented yeah as, as you said the kind of that nuclear part. i do think you mentioned jordan clarkson at 75 and we're gonna get to that in five podcasts we'll get yeah there. we'll get down there eventually but i to, to that whole point i do think so to me when you're talking about like somebody like a mitchell or a dame um i agree with you totally there with like the having that offensive engine basically offensive engine i think I'm kind of fine with them being super high. But once we start to get lower and you're talking about like, you know, D level offensive engine, like guy Jordan Clarkson, who's like the offensive engine wannabe, right? Like those guys. See, but like, to oh. me,
0: he's not he, he's not an engine. Not an he is. Engine. There's like, there's spark players and he's like he's like the type of spark that starts forest fire. <laughs> he's the bigger spark that like like sets something on fire. Yeah, so I, I mean, yeah. You know, well, I actually thought I was going to get too much heat for. Uh, there's so many centers on the list. I thought people were going to be like, you know, you can't have nine centers on the list. They're not that important anymore.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, well, I I, I think we'll want to talk about the different types of players as we get down the list. Um, so maybe we'll kind of save the whole conversation around like um, a high usage kind of guard who comes off the bench versus like a more well-rounded 3 and D wing. Uh, I think we want to save that for a little later. Um, just quickly on the on the top 10, I guess. Uh, so you have Mitchell at 10, Katie at 9, Dame at 8. Um, I kinda, I really like the Mitchell and Dame placements. I guess my question for you here is, like, what separates Dame and Mitchell for you? Is it just Dame's experience being a little bit better as a scorer? I guess, or more consistent as a scorer, I should say, because uh, <laughs> they both have 71-point games.
0: Um, I think Dame's uh, track record of being at this level for longer is helpful because prior to – so last year he was injured, didn't play to his standards, but three of the last four years he's been phenomenal. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, obviously a younger player, just doesn't have the track record. This year Mitchell going over being the lead dog on a defensive-oriented team with two bigs that play a lot, like it's hard to score – like Evan Mobley, Jared Allen are great players. I love them. They're both on this list, but there is not a ton of off-ball shooting on the Cavs. Like they have some, yeah, their space but they don't is have Pretty a lot. bad, yeah. Yeah, I would say that's probably one of the bigger weaknesses of their yeah. team, and that Mitchell's able to be as destructive on offense this year and be the lead guy in a a roster that's really built for playoff success that is going to be, is now, and will be fantastic at defense. I think there is something, that's a really hard thing to quantify with numbers, but after seeing that this year and seeing the high level of play, I'm like, oh, like those indicators we saw early in his career are really showing up now.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, one of the things I, I, his explosiveness in getting to the rim is Mm -hmm. is just phenomenal right like the way he honestly he feels like one of the more unstoppable offensive players in the league just in terms of like you look at his offense and i mean it's probably the weakest aspect of his offense is maybe his playmaking which has gotten um a lot better i think um uh you you don't have the playmaking rank here but i think i want to say he's improved
0: yeah it's like good not great
1: that's probably the weakest part and uh, again he's only 26 so once and playmaking is something that tends to peak uh, much later I think around like 29 30 ish or something like that so um once he puts that together and you know obviously you you know hope he doesn't lose too much of the um, the rim shot creation once he puts that together he could really vault up this list but um, but let's just one last player that I think could arguably be in the top 10 and in, in this tier. That I think you're putting him at 11th basically because he's just not been healthy. Is that it?
0: Yeah, Kawhi. Yeah. yeah. Kawhi was a hard one to rank because, so basically, everybody knows the plan for this year. This year was he's coming back, they're going to slowly ramp him up. Everything, it was a vet team. Everything all that matters is the playoffs that's what everything they are doing this year is about figuring out rotations you know figuring that all out while he ramps up we've seen him ramp up this year he's now playing at a pretty high level like his his LeBron is is strong he does look a little a little slower but it seems like he's learned to play in second and third gear you know i mean he's always been good at it but like that's that's the focus now he's not he's not over over committing you know athletically on offense And I think it's going to continue to get better better as the season kind of wraps up. And it's just one of those things where if he's completely healthy, he is absolutely in tier two. He might be in tier one, honestly. Um, But yeah, just the injuries and just not being exactly sure. Like, let's say what we're at 85% of Kawhi right now. I don't know, maybe 90. I don't know where we're at right now. But he's been quite good the last month. I don't for every percentile he goes up getting closer I don't know if he even gets to 100% again but the difference between 93 94 97% like each percentile there is so huge and it's just we got to wait and see until we see it.
1: Yeah. Um I agree with that. I think um the if you look at play, if you look at Kawhi's playoff LeBron numbers uh they are phenomenal. <laughs> like they're crazy. they're crazy good. His, his whole stretch. Um he's like I think he's got a few different seasons where he's number 1. Um and in the 5-year version, uh, I got to pull this up. Where was he? He was uh third in the current 5-year version behind only Steph and Giannis. That
0: is pretty damn good. Feels yeah. Right. So Yeah, I mean if he didn't so basically if he didn't tear his ACL, he'd be in tier 1.
1: Uh yeah. So no, I I I Oh, totally agree with that. The, uh, when you say tier one, oh, you're saying among like Steph, Luca, Giannis, and Jokic. Yeah, he'd be Okay, that. I actually, yeah, I do agree with that. Um, I, I would have him ahead of like the, that next tier down with Tatum, Embiid, um, LeBron. Actually, you know what? I'm going to say one final thing here. Um, I still don't know, man, I... <laughs> I love the Dame ahead of KD thing, but I still don't know that I'd go with that. <laughs> Go, necessarily agree with that. Like, I might, if I was doing a tier, I might, at, like, move KD up one and then stop there and have then Dame and, like, Mitchell in the next tier, maybe, like, their own little tier. But, um, but I don't, you know, don't, necessarily-
0: I think you're going to feel differently when Donovan's on the uh, parade float at the. In Cleveland, I don't know, in like five months, whatever yeah. that
1: is. Um So okay, I think I we've kind of covered Kawhi. I think um, we we both kind of agree he'd be up there in tier one if he if he didn't tear his ACL. If he was healthy. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's it feels like it's kind of hard to rank him right now because I you're right, he's like not a hundred percent. Yeah, it's like
0: impo- it's like It's it's impossible.
1: Right I also am not convinced he's going to get back to where he was. He does seem a little slow, sure. like a yeah. little bit. I don't know. It seems a little slower, right? Like, um, I may, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm wrong there. I mean, maybe he does get back to where he is. Um, it's just that's such a high bar, right? Like you're talking about like one of the four best players or one of the three best players, whatever in the league. It it I would. I still don't think it's likely he gets back to that level, but he could be in that tier too, right? um yeah yeah and then uh do you want to oh one last player that i do want to uh mention that i think could have been in this top tier um and he's really come on in the last month ish i think and um like i i just kind of looked him up and he's like um He's sixth in LeBron in in the most recent version in the most recent ranking. Uh, he's sixth, and that's Jimmy Butler. Um, he's like, he's he's been in the finals in two thousand in the bubble. He was in the conference finals last year. He was maybe the best player in the playoffs last year, or the second best player. Um, he's. Somehow, put together a very underrated regular season this year where he's sixth in lebron. i I'm honestly like i I saw that, and I'm just stunned because like the heat aren't that great. and uh, and yet Jimmy's just kind of been chugging along. Uh, and i so I, I guess my question is, would should we be moving Jimmy up into that uh,
0: tier two so this will be the last guy we talk yep. about, and we'll we'll cut it for part one i I really like Jimmy. I think he's fantastic. I think he's similar to Tatum. I think Tatum's just got a little bit of super serum in him, and the problem with Butler is he just doesn't he doesn't have the same scoring ability as the guys above him. He is fantastic there's i do go back and forth on this where it's like is he better than these players? Are, so basically he has AD, Jaw, and Kawhi above him. And then there's the tier two. The guys we've been talking about, the top ten. And I flirted with putting him in that top tier. It's just difficult. He was phenomenal in the playoffs last year. He's one pull-up three-pointer away from two finals appearances in three years. And maybe that changes how I think about him if he hits that. I don't know. But he is great. He's another guy. You compare him with a lot of guys. And he's one of those guys where I want to put him higher. It's just difficult because like it's difficult to argue that he's better than healthy AD. It's just, it's very difficult.
1: I think you could argue it. I mean,
0: I I think you can. I think it's just hard to convince me because healthy AD is, is pretty phenomenal. Same thing with Kawhi where it's like, it's hard to put him above Kawhi because it seems like every week Kawhi gets stronger and, well, to I,
1: himself, I think Kawhi and AD are like. To me, I I agree with you when you're talking about Kawhi, because again, I look at Kawhi as like if he's t- fully healthy, he's in that like, he's right there with like a Jokic, Steph, Giannis. I do not look at AD that way, even when he- fully healthy. Um, I think he's kind of like like even in the bubble season where he had kind of aberration shooting. Right, but even that season, I think most people would say LeBron was the best player on that team. Right, I think AD is kind of like that number two. A now he's such a a a great complementary player, Uh, and maybe this is like the difference between like the way we're looking at like how you define like a a top the best player on a team versus like the second best player, like and and portability. Because I think like if you asked AD to be the best player on a championship team. I don't think he could do that as well as Jimmy Butler. Like I like we've seen Jimmy Butler take a team to finals and a and a second team to like one pull up 3 away from the finals, right? And he was outstanding in in last year's playoffs. Um so I
0: think Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think you're right about the AD like, I don't know if it would ever work with him as the best player. But the Heat did go to the finals and got absolutely annihilated by the Lakers. That that was not a competitive series. And then I think last year, this is, I mean, maybe this is unfair. Well, is but I think last year, if they hit that three, they also, I think they're going to lose to Colton State pretty handily as well.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, well, so I, I I guess my argument. So the the Heat losing to the Lakers, I mean, LeBron was on that team, right? Like, LeBron was the best player on that team. Hey, if you want to be the man, you gotta beat the man. But we're not arguing Jimmy versus LeBron here. Um, <laughs> so, and and last year, uh, no, I, I, I mean, yeah, I think they were gonna lose the Golden State. I agree there. Um, again, we're not talking about Jimmy is like a tier one. We're not talking about him up there with like Jokic or Giannis or. But I mean, like, is he is he better than any of the players in two, two, tier two? Um, I think you can make the argument that he's up there with like like what's it. Separate like
0: Mitchell. Maybe you could argue for Mitchell maybe.
1: Yeah, I think you could argue Dame, Mitchell, um, even Katie. Like if you're just looking at like Jimmy's sixth.
0: Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know, that. Um, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't think you could argue. I don't think there's a there's an argument for Katie or Dame. I think you could make an argument for Mitchell. I think that's fine. But uh, I, I I don't see a world where you're going to get a lot of people – Thinking that he's better than Dame or Durant. Um. Well, no, because like here's the thing: Dame could go into the playoffs. He could average forty. Like if he was on a good enough team, he could just average forty for the whole playoff. I yeah. Uh, just full stop every round. <laughs> so I agree with you on Katie. I
1: I think Dame might be able to average forty five for a whole run. I think it's very hard to argue Jimmy's better than Katie. I I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to really fight you there. <laughs> uh however the the dame thing i i think you can very much argue that and and maybe part of that is like again we haven't really seen dame in the playoffs and jimmy's jimmy's had just way more playoff success than dame over its entire career
0: yeah but he's been on better teams. he has been on better
1: teams yeah no i'm I'm not like i'm close the quality of teams. yeah and and
0: the quality of coaching too right uh, <laughs> but i i can't even i don't even know who i don't even know who dame's coaches have been if I think that maybe proves your point. Well,
1: no, he. I mean, I think Terry Scotts Otz was a good coach, but I, um, you know, suppose probably one, one of the best coaches in the league. But um, honestly, I do, <laughs> we're mentioning coaching
0: here, and I don't really think that makes that big of a difference. Uh, no, I think yeah, it's the thing at this level. I don't think coaching's super important for like top twenty. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, I, but I, I, but I just think um, I, I do think you absolutely can make an argument for Jimmy over. Dame, because I I mean, part of it is like, I guess we've just, we've seen it, right? We've seen Jimmy go bonkers
0: in the playoffs. We've seen him. uh, Hey, uh, this is not meant to be an anti-Jimmy argument. I I really like Jimmy. I think he's a really good player. I wanted to have him higher. I just couldn't figure out how to get him. higher
1: To me, I, I'm actually like, I I don't mind. uh, I, I think the only thing I very vehemently disagree with is Jimmy behind Ja in 80. And after that, I don't mm. with you that.
0: that's Well, they're in the same tier and they're literally right next to each other in the list. So I'm not going to fight you too hard on that because I, I think there's very like reasonable arguments for that. I just I, this is getting like jaw is the last guy on the list at 12 for me where I'm like, I think he can be the best player on a championship team. Like that's still very much possible. He's really upped his playmaking this year. It was already good and it's like super elite now. And good in the mid-range, unbelievable at the rim, can just collapse defenses at will. And then after that, I think you're getting into that, like, these are, like, super elite second best players in the league. AD, Jimmy Butler, Devin Booker. Like, I maybe SGA can eventually become a number one. He's not there yet, but he's gotten so much better this year. I just think this is where you're starting to get to the point where if this person is paired with another top star, this team's probably going to go to the finals territory. Like Devin Booker is your number two now with Durant. Like with, with Chris Paul when he was playing at a high level, it was very good. And now with Durant, it's like, oh, wow, the Suns are – are they are very, very, very good right now. So I think this is, for me, when you start getting to that like – I just don't think you can win a championship with Jimmy Butler as your best player. So the
1: reason uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight you a bit on this is, like I, I I've mentioned this on Twitter where I I try to look at teams as like basically if you're in the conference finals or further, if you get to the conference finals or obviously the finals, I think
0: like you're at that level. You're at
1: a you know you're at that championship caliber team right now. There are a few sure. exceptions. For example, the Hawks from two years ago, that team was absolutely not championship level. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually don't think the Mavs last year were championship level. Uh, I think there actually tends to be, there actually recently it seems like there's always been one conference finalist where you're like, yeah, that team's not really championship level, but they kind of cracked.
0: But I, I get what you're saying, though, because there, there's a fair amount of teams that lose in the conference finals that were championship level. Yeah. That's really exactly. the point. And my
1: point is, so Jimmy has a finals, and I think if you
0: look at the way. But what, But my thing is, what that Heat team, which team of the last decade would they have beaten in the finals, do you think? Um,
1: I mean, I so it's not – I don't like to look at it that way where, like – like they they did lose in six games in that bubble right so and i actually think
0: no well okay well hold on that one win they got like so there i think it was 3-0 I think it was 3-0 in the first win they got, or I don't know, they were, the Lakers were up. I can't remember what it was. They just basically let Jimmy Butler run over players for a whole like, game, and he scored 40 points. He's just running straight into KCP's chest like over and over again. And it's like, what was the extender running that series? What, what was going on there? Who was officiating that game? Like There was one game where like I mean they pretty much just let Jimmy Butler run through everybody. And it's like, well, if you let LeBron do that, I, I, the, the Lakers will win uh okay i i feel like
1: now if i talk to uh uh some heat fans they're gonna tell you that the lakers got all the calls
0: uh oh <laughs> i'm sure uh-huh yeah the and best it, players uh, that scored all the points and got you all know the points. Uh,
1: there's also that nugget series which you know i'm I'm gonna say that maybe the lakers got a lot of calls in that series they maybe, oh, no, maybe they uh, got away people. with a bit much in terms of fouling jokic oh, and maybe dwight was a nah. little bit of a you know, got away well, with it. that's all. Dwight's
0: job. Dwight's job was an instigator in that series. <laughs> um, anyways, oh
1: I, I, j- my point though is like I think um and look, they were one shot away from beating the Celtics, even if you don't want to count the bubble year, which is a final. Again, to me, if you make the
0: finals I don't understand why people don't count the bubble year, it doesn't make any sense to me. All the teams are playing basketball.
1: Uh, I think it's just because the shooting was up. Like there was some fluky, you know, number. I don't know. Shooting's up this year. Um yeah, no, but I mean, like, like for example, if you look at 80's career shooting, and then you look at his shooting in the bubble, it's like not even close. Like, like yeah, like, but I mean, like, so like that's Kevin Kevin the only time he was on, and like he's, he's never shown that ability anywhere else. Uh,
0: yeah, but I mean, they're all playing in the same environment. Oh
1: yeah, no, I, I, I don't think the bubble titles should count for any less. I, I, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just talking about like when you're evaluating certain players, uh, I think you have to keep in mind that the shooting—that's all. Like, if yeah, like if somebody tried to tell me that eighty was a a phenomenal shooter because of what he did in the bubble I would say no uh, yeah no, I think that's yeah fair. that's that's all my point point. and uh, look so if we're gonna count so I would you agree with me though that like if you're a finalist you're a championship level team or you don't agree with that
0: um I, I think <laughs> you're right on the money about the conference final thing and then there are exceptions I think that heat team is uh, one of the the cases of a dark horse team that played really well. Like they beat the bucks that year. Like I'm not saying that team wasn't good. That team was pretty good. They were like it had, Yeah. It had, I get it. It had Jimmy Butler. It had bam. It had rookie Tyler hero. Like there's good players on that team. I just don't think they were as good as like, I think they were the weakest finals team. I can remember. I think the reason, Except maybe Orlando Magic in two thousand nine. I think those two teams are on the same tier. Uh,
1: I think the reason I feel a little better about that Heat team is they backed it up last year to me. So I look at last year where they're basically a pull up three away from beating the Celtics, right? Yeah, but
0: Butler, Butler and Hero, or sorry, not Butler, uh, Hero and Bam have gotten older. Like Bam's now in his prime, right? So like their, their younger players got better. They also had PJ Tucker.
1: Well, yeah, that's fair. But like Jimmy was the number. So I to me, you're basically agreeing with me that last year's heat were like a very like basically at that
0: level there. I think they were. Yeah. And I think they were better than the 2020.
1: Oh, yeah. No. okay, that's fair. And I agree with that. Um, So basically, you've just. You just said that, like, they're at that level, right? So we've now established Jimmy can be... We we have actually not established that with, like, Dame or Mitchell or, or a lot of these other players, to be honest. So I guess that's why I just don't understand, like... You know, we've seen multiple deep finals runs from Jimmy. Um, or, sorry, multiple deep playoff runs uh, from Jimmy's teams, right? And and Jimmy just playing great. Now, I'm going to be... I'm going to turn to Hater Krishna... And I'm going to mention, because, you know, I, we have to mention the, you know, the weaknesses, right? Like, so I'm going to mention Jimmy's in-between year. And I'm surprised you didn't mention this, where, you know, he got outscored by Brent Forbes. <laughs> like, yeah, <he's laughs> yeah, i kind with me know about that. Jimmy, and you somehow have not mentioned that.
0: Uh, I I I didn't know that happened. That's really funny uh Jim, what no Jim because I, I don't I don't dislike him. I like him. I think he's really good I just think you have a little bit of trouble trying to like get over that that mountain peak with him as your lead guy Oh, I, like, the other thing I, I'm, I'm gonna mention Jimmy as know. well
1: is we mentioned earlier we were talking about the Sixers and I understand he's in a different role um, but actually, to be honest, kind of more in a role that maybe AD was in, right, and then the bubble, where he was kind of the second... He was the second-best player next to Embiid on that 2019 Sixers team that almost beat the championship Raptors. So, I, I to me, I think we've just seen more, like, high-end uh, team play from... I, I Like, Jimmy... And part of this is he's had better teammates, but we've just seen more of that with Jimmy than we have with, like, a lot of these other guys that... Uh, and and we've also just seen like some of these games he's put up like, you know, forty points in the finals. There's that famous picture of him like, I'm so really in tired. the finals yeah, yeah, after
0: yeah. dropping like forty
1: eight points or whatever it was.
0: I thought I was I thought I was high on Jimmy. I th- I think Jimmy gets really disrespected on a lot of rankings and a lot of people just in conversation. I feel like sometimes people have him as like the nineteenth or twentieth best player in the league, and I'm like, come yeah. on.
1: Yeah, I think the only thing we're we're basically talking about a difference of two
0: spots and two individuals which are in my same tier which i'm okay with like i like i like to have the argument because i think it's fun but if someone was like you know i'm reshuffling jaw ad and butler i'm like okay like that's fine because like my argument is ad is a lethal number two and i think jimmy butler is also would be a lethal number two yeah
1: i i well yeah but i think all my point is we've seen jimmy's better number one (laughs) that's that's kind
0: of my point too and i guess what i'm yeah, but my argument is, I guess, does that matter?
1: Um, yeah, I think if when, it ultimately
0: like, can't win the championship, because
1: I, 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 kind of I like what's like what these, you know, what the Heat have done in the last few years. Like, I think that to me, basically, our the our whole argument right now is like I would have Jimmy cutting off like that tier with Kawhi, right? Like, I would have basically I would you'd done, add Kawhi and Jimmy into that second yes, tier. That that's, yep, there there we go. That's basically. Would you take Donovan Mitchell out of it? Um. Oh man, I might. Um, I might take him out. Yeah, just cause. I, Get a few drinks in you. Who knows? I, I, but yeah, I don't. Can I just like add both of them and leave them in? I oh yeah, that. no, that's fine. You know, we don't always got You don't always got to go negative. Yeah, I like I, I'm. I'm kind of cool with leaving Mitchell in that tier. I. I see the. I guess with Mitchell, you know, I, I basically the way I, I feel like you're looking at Mitchell is like, you're almost kind of projecting a bit like you were with Luca as to like, so Luca has been better on defense this year and you like the way he's been playing more this year. So you have, you're projecting a little more of him like this year and this year's playoffs. And There's the high, Mitchell, the, I like the high end volatility more basically. Yeah. And you're maybe doing the same thing with Mitchell and I, I'm fine with that. Like, I think, Mitchell's, I think Mitchell's like tenth in in LeBron this year, so. uh. Oh, his like, o, his
0: playoff O oh, Lebron is is like ridiculous, yeah. also. Uh,
1: so Mitchell's ninth in uh Lebron this year, um. Yeah, although he it looks like he's fifteenth in O Lebron. Uh Ninety first in D Lebron, though, so that's taking a big jump. Um,
0: that's taking like a huge jump. I mean, so part of that, though, I didn't want to go too crazy with that because part of it is just playing with really good defensive teams. Yeah, teammates. and I think
1: the part of the offensive being lower
0: is playing with worse offensive spacing. So he's probably he's probably somewhere – yeah, yeah. So like his, his Olebron might be – or his offensive impact might be a little better than we're seeing and then his defensive impact is maybe a little bit worse. But also he did come – it's weird because he came from the Jazz where he had Rudy, who's amazing, but then – like he was also kind of grouped in with all like the not very good perimeter defenders, so it's a little confusing.
1: And he um he but put together a great uh he had a great spacing around him. <laughs> so like he the did, context he did. he's gone from in terms of spacing uh on Utah to Cleveland now is like complete opposite ends of the spectrum. And actually seeing him play this well in like a totally different environment, right? Like in in the Jazz, he had an environment set up where he had kind of an open lane. Because, like, you didn't yeah, have—he yeah, yeah. uh, had way better spacing around him, right? Like, you didn't have two bigs. You didn't have Mobley in the corner who can't really shoot, and nobody's guarding him. So um, seeing him excel in this kind of, on this kind of—on this crunched-up kind of Cavs team that doesn't have great spacing is is pretty impressive.
0: He's also fourth in three-year playoff O LeBron. So yeah. like right at the tippy top in terms of offensive impact. So I think we've seen that over the past couple of years. He's been really, really difficult and hard to stop. So I think that's going to translate because I don't even not translate. Translate sound the right word. He's he's already done it.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I think we've kind of. Uh, so basically, the my only disagreement is I want to move Jimmy up <laughs> to like 12 and cut off the tier there, basically move him into that tier, move him and quiet into that tier with Mitchell, uh, Dame, and Katie, um, and then I right. and I feel yeah. like uh, and then I feel like we're kind of set there in terms of that last tier. But one last question for you though, uh, and I, I don't think uh, this guy is in uh, the second tier, and I I would keep him where he is, but uh, I'm just bringing him up because it's a it's a debate that always happens: is the Booker first um, Mitchell debate is a debate that happens a lot and i think mitchell's kind of moved ahead of him this year because of his play like he's just he's jumped ahead of them uh whereas i think like a lot a few years before that you would have been like okay they're more comparable so um i'm just kind of curious i, I don't think booker should move up a tier but what are your thoughts there
0: i i i always thought that was a fun debate i always liked mitchell more because his ability to get to the rim yep. This year, you know, as the lead guy in Cleveland, he's been fantastic. And, I mean, I have Booker at 15, so it's not like Booker's very low. Uh, Booker's a fantastic shooter, great scorer, I think a really good secondary guy. He just is limited, you know. He hasn't been super efficient. So his thing is he's a scorer. He's not much of a playmaker. He's not really... He's. I mean, he, he has improved as a defender. It's like basically he went from one of the worst guys in the league to like a D. I think some of that's being in a good Suns system. But, you know, he's he's produced some as a chaser on defense. So he's improved there. And he's a fantastic scorer. But he needs to be more efficient because he's just really not... It's the, the efficiency hasn't been super impressive. It's positive. But when that's your thing, like you are a shooter that scores a lot... You, you need to be a high efficiency guy for it to be super effective if you're not going to bring a lot else to the table. And like I said, Booker's a great player. We've seen him have really big playoff games. He is a, a real high end guy. I just think, I just like Mitchell more. Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think the, the difference uh, before this year was that Booker was probably, uh, gave more effort on defense and was considered better defensively, but Mitchell's kind of closed that gap. Oh, wait,
0: what? Really? Yeah, that seemed to be the opinion. I mean, I didn't think Mitchell prior to this season was pretty not very good on defense. I just kind of thought they were both bad at defense. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, I think just last year, I think Booker was a little better on defense, right? I don't know. <laughs> um, anyways, I... Uh... Oh, I think we're going to wrap it up. Um,
0: I'm, <laughs> so you can cut this one. Off. Yeah, we're at about an hour 30. So yeah, I think we can yeah. wrap it up. This is going to be part one. I don't know how many parts. This is going to be a few. But yeah, that's uh, we're partway into the uh, top 75 mid-season rankings I put together. Again, if you want to check out the article, get a blurb on every player. The link to the article is going to be in the description or just head on over to bballindex.com. My name is Taylor. That's Krishna. And we'll see you on the next episode of the podcast.